Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, and thanks again for listening to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Uh, This is Rick Porterfield. And uh, this week, I'm continuing talking about the problem in relationships. I introduced this topic last week. And also, um, just mention again that what I'm doing here is taking you through the uh, the sessions that Rebecca and I would, would go through if we were working with a couple one-on-one. Basically, I would be talking about each of those different, uh, again, sessions we would take people through. And really, whether you have a, a really good marriage right now or a really bad marriage right now, this will really help you, okay? what we're going to be talking about you know we're never all the way there we can always grow in our relationship with our spouse we can always grow in relationships in general and uh, as we talked about in the last session uh, this is the problem in relationship everything else is symptoms and we'll talk more about that today but last week i identified the problem as self-centeredness and the bible is very clear on that self-centeredness is the problem in relationships and all the other things that we think are problems are really just symptoms of that problem so I wound up last week by listing the effects of self-centeredness, self-centeredness, a little bit of a tongue twister there. So I want to jump in and kind of talk a little bit more in depth about the effects of self-centeredness. And and the reason I want to do this is it's just important for us to see that, man, this is the problem. This is what it can do. And so I want to avoid it. I want to change this in my life. You know, when I got this revelation of self-centeredness, this radically, it, it changed me. And it wound up, by extension, changing our marriage and just making a real impact in our life in general in a lot of ways. It's the basis, or one of the bases, I guess you would say, of the things that we've taught people for years and years and years about marriage. And we've seen it make a huge difference in other people's lives as well. So let's talk again. Let's talk about the effects of self-centeredness. And there are several major effects. I'm going to talk about five. I'm sure there are a lot more. But these five are the ones that I really think have the biggest impact in our lives. And some of these are obvious, okay? One is self-centeredness. Again, it's the problem in relationships. So one of the effects is it destroys relationships, okay? Uh, again, that's obvious, but self-centeredness destroys relationships. If, if there's a problem in a relationship, somebody is, and almost always, I would probably say always, both people are being self-centered to some extent. That's the problem. But again, it, it destroys relationships. Think about this for a minute. Why do people get offended? They get offended because something didn't go their way, didn't go the way that they thought it ought to, or whatever. It didn't go how they thought it should be. That's self-centered, okay? Why won't people say they're sorry? Because they don't want to. <laughs> you know, they don't want to admit they're wrong or whatever it is. Again, that's self-centered, okay? Why won't people forgive? Why won't they let it go? Again, because they don't want to. It's, it's you know, you, you hurt me. You did this to me. I'd rather carry this grudge, whatever it is. I don't want to forgive you. Again, that's self-centered. You know, <clears throat> self-centeredness, these offenses, 
and unforgiveness and things in our, our marriage relationships and in other relationships as well. But self-centeredness begins to build these walls of offense and unforgiveness in our relationships. And you know, one of the things we'll talk about in the weeks ahead is the weeks ahead is how to remove those walls. They can be removed. Rebecca and I had, had we had built we had built mountains, not just walls, in our relationship. And the Bible tells us how to remove those walls. So we'll be talking about that. But again, if you have a great relationship or one that needs help, this will really help you because you can find out how find out how to remove walls or how to keep from building them. Okay. You know, we teach premarital couples, you know, hopefully when we're dealing with somebody on a premarital basis, we're doing premarital counseling. They haven't built walls between them, between each other. So we teach them how to avoid doing that. So again, it, it can be done through the word. So anyway, the first effect of self-centeredness there is it destroys relationships. A second effect is it will destroy your success in life, okay? Relationships are critical to your success. I mentioned in the last episode about in the 1930s, the Carnegie Institute of Technology did a study that found that 15% of your success in life is based on your technical skill, and 85% is based on your ability to deal with and get along with people. So self-centeredness is the problem in relationships, and 85% of your success is based on your on relationships, on your ability to, ability to deal with and get along with people, then this is a big deal. Self-centeredness will destroy success, okay? Yeah, there was another study I mentioned, Stanford Research uh, uh, Institute did this one. Stanford Research Institute did this one. This was in the 90s, 1990s. And they found that 12.5% of the money a person makes in any endeavor is determined by their technical skill, their ability, their knowledge, and 87.5% is based on their ability to deal with people. So again, if self-centeredness is the problem, and it is, then this is critical to success. We need to be able to deal with self-centeredness and be able to, to be a blessing to other people, be able to minister to, help, serve others. So if we're going to succeed in life as much as we could, at least, if we're going to maximize our success in life, this is something we need to deal with. So self-centeredness will actually destroy your success in life, okay? Relationships are critical to your success. Think about successful businesses. You know, you might think, well, they're serving themselves, okay? There's an argument for that, but successful businesses are successful because they serve the customer. They give, they find out what the customer wants and they give it to them and they give it to them well. They give it to them consistently of consistent quality. They're serving the customer. That's why they're successful. And their success is a byproduct. Think of, uh, you know, Coca-Cola. They give customers what they want and they make a lot of money as a result. Chick-fil-A. They give customers what they want and they make a lot of money as a result. You know, auto manufacturers. They're figuring out what people want. You know, SUVs are like the thing right now. For a while, there was many vans and they were rolling out minivans then now everybody's making suvs so you see these um uh porsche and different companies that are known for sports cars and things now making suvs they're giving the customers what they want they're serving them and their success is is linked to that it's a byproduct of them giving people what they want so again relationships are important we want to know you know self-centeredness is when we put our needs and wants and desires first we want to begin to put the needs and wants and desires of others first above ourselves okay Um, so a third major effect of self-centeredness is it can lead you to manipulate other people it can lead you to manipulate your spouse okay let's explain how this works and i want to use marriage as an example typically when people get married 
I, this was how it was for me. Maybe it wasn't for you, but I think 99.99% of people, this is what happens. When they get married, they think that the person they're marrying is going to meet their needs and make them happy. Okay, they're looking for some this person to to do certain things for them. They're looking for companionship and love and security, somebody to make the money, somebody to do the laundry, sex, whatever it is. They're looking for this person to meet all of these needs. They expect these things from the person they're marrying. Now think about it. That's really a self-centered attitude going into marriage, but it's really probably the norm for most people. They get married to receive not to give. How often do you see somebody getting married intending to put themselves second and having the attitude that they're going to try to meet the needs of their spouse, whether or not their own needs get met? That almost never happens. But you know, really, that's the other-centered attitude we ought, we ought to have. <clears throat> but what really happens is we expect to receive, and when we don't get what we want, we can begin to try to manipulate our spouse through words and actions. People do all kinds of things to manipulate it. They could do things like whining or complaining or grouching or just anger. You could just yelling, you know, arguing, giving somebody the silent treatment, just you know, withholding your affection, giving them the cold shoulder, whatever. There's just all kinds of ways people can try to manipulate the other person to get them to give you what you want. You know, manipulation is just you've been used by someone. We talk about how somebody might have used you. Really, what you're talking about is they were manipulating you in some way, trying to get you to meet their needs. They were using you to try to to meet something that they wanted done for them. Some people are so good at using you, it might take a while to realize what's going on. But once you figure it out, it creates a distance between you and that person who's using you. You know, and that's exactly what happens. Manipulation is never going to lead to intimacy in marriage. It's never going to lead to a good relationship. In fact, manipulation is the direct opposite of serving or ministering to someone. Manipulation is trying to control somebody to get them to meet your needs. And some people would actually say that that's actually an aspect of witchcraft. <clears throat> so that's manipulation. It's trying to control them to meet your needs, whereas serving or ministering to someone is meeting their needs. Okay, So that's the third uh, effect of self-centeredness is it leads to manipulation. A fourth effect of self-centeredness is it creates all of these symptoms in relationships, all the offenses and irritations that we deal with. Those things are really just symptoms of self-centeredness. Things like communication problems and, and arguments over finances and, uh, you know, leaving the toilet seat up and down or, you know, putting your socks in front of the clothes hamper or, or in it or what kind of toothpaste you use or whether you can take this route to work or church or that route to work or church or, or whether you're driving too fast or too slow or whatever. People argue about all kinds of things, okay? And you know, about how are you going to raise the kids, you know, et cetera. Just people argue about all this. What are we going to have for dinner? You know, people just can get into arguments about all these kinds of things and people think, well, these are all the problems, but really those are all just symptoms of the problem. OK, um, all these little irritations are just symptoms. The Bible talks about how it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. <clears throat> I remember. When Rebecca and I used to, you know, we'd get in these arguments and then we'd talk about things. We try to at least. We talk about what was wrong in our marriage and, and she would list, you know, all the things I was doing wrong. She'd say, if you just wouldn't do this and this and this and this and this. And I'd say, well, if you wouldn't do this and this and this and this. And we were just listing the symptoms, okay? And 
we would say, if you wouldn't do these things, we'd have a better marriage. And I used to tell Rebecca, man, all these things, it's like a giant swarm of gnats or something. There's just no way I can swat all these gnats. I felt like there were just too many of them. You know, I was right. All those gnats were just symptoms. And there's no way to swat them all because as long as the source remains, as long as self-centeredness remains, they're going to keep coming. You can't get rid of the irritations in marriage as long as the source of self-centeredness remains. And so when Rebecca and I would have an argument over one of these symptoms, you know, I'd be careful for a while not to do it again. But, you know, it's inevitable if the real problem isn't dealt with. It might be a few weeks or a few months or whatever. The problem will come up again. That symptom, same symptom will rear its head again, and you'll have this recurring argument. That's how recurring arguments happen right there. Um, so we can't just treat the symptom. We need to deal with the problem, okay? Um Treating the symptoms will work for a little while, but it, it won't work for the long run. So we got to deal with the problem. Think about this. If you maybe you've had the flu before, okay, influenza. You know, the influenza, the flu causes symptoms like chills and fever, maybe throwing up. You might have diarrhea or headache or body aches or whatever it is. You can have all these different symptoms, and all these symptoms are caused by this one virus, the flu virus in your body. And you can take flu medicine like Theraflu or something, and you can get rid of the symptoms for a little while, but until the flu virus is gone, the symptoms will return. That's exactly why we find ourselves having the same arguments over and over again in marriage, you know, because we haven't dealt with the real problem and those symptoms are going to come back. So we don't want to just treat the symptoms. That's a short-term fix. We want to address self-centeredness and and deal with it. Okay, so that's another effect of uh, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is it causes all these problems, all these symptoms in marriage. And a fifth effect of self-centeredness, the last one I want to mention, is it steals your joy and happiness in marriage. I think I've talked about this before, but a study was done um, out in, uh, I believe it was in California in, in several nursing homes. And this really illustrates that we are not created to be about ourselves. We're created to be about someone else. That's where we're going to find happiness and fulfillment. And self-centeredness will steal your joy and your happiness, okay? So anyway, in this study, they went, they gave, you know, all these people in nursing homes a plant. Everybody got a plant. Half of them were told the plant is just for your enjoyment. You don't do anything with the plant. You just look at it. The staff will take care of it. The other half were told, okay, we're giving you this plant, but it's your responsibility. You got to water it this much. You've got to prune it. You've got to make sure it gets this much light, but not too much light, not too much water. So they had responsibilities. And then they just kind of sat back and watched what happened. And what they saw, was the people who had responsibility for something other than themselves were healthier, lived longer, and were happier. That's amazing, but that just illustrates what the Bible tells us. We are not created to be self-centered. We're created to be other-centered. We're not made to be about ourselves. We're, we're made to love other people. So anyway, that's the fifth effect of self-centeredness is it steals your joy and happiness. So the effects I've covered are, first, it, it destroys relationships. Second, it destroys success. Third, 
It leads to manipulation, which will never lead to intimacy in relationships. It won't really lead to good relationships. Fourth, it causes all these symptoms or irritations, all the things that we think are the problem but aren't. They're all just symptoms of self-centeredness. And fifth is it steals your happiness and joy, okay? So we're going to stop this episode there. Next week, we'll be talking about the problem again. We'll talk about some of the characteristics of self-centeredness and hopefully get into how you deal with self-centeredness and get rid of it. Now, this is a big a big issue. Um, I think I mentioned this last week, but um, if, if we can figure out if the hose is running, water into your yard, all you've got to do is cut off the spigot. So if you've got problems and issues running into your marriage, we can cut off the spigot of self-centeredness and really just deal with a lot of that. So that's what we're doing here. And I just encourage you to hang in there and, and look forward to seeing you next week back here on the Marriage by the Book podcast. And I also want to mention, you know, um, go to our website, marriagebythebook.org. We've got a couple of events coming up, a marriage conference in Florida and a, a singles conference up in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. We'd love to see you there. If you know somebody in those areas, tell them about it, send them over, but there'll be more information about that on our website. And uh, thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.